Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM 2019 is brought to you by our Indiegogo producers, Richard Kreutz-Landry, Robert Anderson, The Drinking and Screaming Podcast, The Ostium Network, Damian Sidlow, Max Kasparek, Aaron Keon, Kyle Decker, Rocky Lee, Ryan Bolter, and Neon Green Tiger. A very special thank you to all of our Indiegogo supporters and to the IPM organizational team. And now, on to the episode. This is an exclusive episode of Best in Galaxy for International Podcast Month. An excerpt from our forthcoming novel and audiobook, Sons of the Stars, available this autumn. Welcome to Sea Apostrophe Torgus. Howdy. I'm not sure how you've managed to stumble across what is being subjectively hailed across pockets of the universe as one of the greatest stories ever told, but it sure is good to have you here. Heck, you may not even be able to speak the language of these texts, but I'm gonna go right ahead and carry on regardless. Our story starts in Sector SCFE, 4565-6487-87-589-399-23S-1123. T34-231-2323. Three seven seven four six four dash RTF sixty six sixty six dash nine oh two dash one dash SW sixteen of the universe. Don't be put off by that big old mouthful, despite the whopping size of its title. Sector SCFE and the rest is only a tiny vicinity, home to just a few small galaxies, one of which is C apostrophe Torgus. C apostrophe Torgus is mostly famous for its slightly awkward spelling. For the purposes of this story, I'll be pronouncing it Katorgus, as it comes out quite a lot. And although time is an infinite commodity, even I don't have enough of it to waste saying the word apostrophe every 20 minutes. The galaxy is home to the planet Von Devitt, which is mostly inhabited by human beings. It's coddled with all the things that humans are fond of, such as lush plants, nutritious vegetables, cuddly animals, and, of course, the snack of kings, Buffy Bars. The southern hemisphere of this planet is where you'll find the Von Dividin Royal Palace. And with every royal palace, there comes a royal family. And thus, that's where you'll find the two Zhazas in charge of the planet, Patch and Stooch. They brought immense joy to an already borderline utopian world. But today, they found it near impossible 
to bring a smile to the faces of their adoring public, even with a traditional Bon Dividian dance-off. Chapter 1 The Helix to Make the Twi'lex A colossal natural disaster had just occurred. Local planet Videl had spontaneously exploded, killing its entire population. Today, it had been Patch and Stooch's job to try and reassure their public that Von Dibbett was safe during a formal address. It was an exhausting and emotionally draining affair, and one which, in his own words, had caused Patch's eyeballs to sweat. Whew, man, that was some heavy stuff, said Patch, wiping his eyes. I know, brother. Great sprout at the end, by the way. I think it really lightened the mood, Stooch replied. Oh, yeah, thanks, mate. You too. I'm sorry I stepped on your gown. Ah, don't worry. I think that also lightened the mood. Yeah, definitely. Your ass is still showing, by the way. Oh, every time. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I might go for a lie down. You are lying down. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I might get up then. Is it, is it me or is, is it getting hotter? The temperature's almost three-quarters of the way up the gauge now. Mind you, here's a small thermometer, in it? What do you mean? Well, it's a smaller thermometer than the one we got in the Great Hall, so it probably only goes up to about 20 or something like that. What are you on about? Just because it's smaller doesn't mean that it's going to have the full scale on it. What's the number on the reading? It's, uh, 47. Can't be. Yeah. It's the middle of winter. I bet it's broken. Hey, I thought we had two buffet bars in the pantry. They've gone. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, the buffet bar. The, yeah, I gave it to the Harvest Festival. I donated them. The brothers had organized an impromptu harvest festival where the citizens of Von Divot donated freeze-dried and canned food, which would keep for any Vitalese refugees that might turn up in the near future. Ah, good move. Well done, said Stooch, expertly disguising his disappointment. Suddenly, an alert interrupted the boys, and a cascade of lights flashed on Stooch's brand new comms watch. It was an incoming hollow call from Uncle Darius. Oh, what does he want? I thought we'd send him off on holiday. Patch shrugged. Stooch slid a reluctant, sweaty finger over the touchscreen of his comms watch, leaving a drop of cloudy liquid glistening on the screen. The holographic image of a tiny, bespectacled man wearing an ill-fitting brown suit garnished with a fully-fashioned triple bow tie ballooned into the third dimension. Darius appeared breathless. For some reason, he mimed knocking at the door. <laughs> What's he doing? Come in. No, I, I, I will never get used to these things, boys. Stop what you're doing right now and get your nearest receiver terminal booted up. I've managed to finally split the helix to form the Twi'lex and, oh God, I think I've made a big mistake. The Twi'lex was the combination of two twin helixes that Darius and his brother had found on their last expedition together to the exact central point of their galaxy in the underground caverns of Rebius Rebius. Incidentally, this was the very same place where they found Patch many years before. Patch was adopted, so he wasn't spawned directly from the raw Von Dividian bloodline. During an exploration mission, Stooch's father found Patch abandoned and alone, deep in an underground cave network. Being the kind of fella Rince was, 
he took the unusually hairy mite home with him and raised him as his own. The rest is history. Anyway, back to the helixes. The two molecular structures of the helixes were like nothing else that existed in the entire galaxy. Darius and his brother Rince were convinced that the two helixes that combined to make the Twi'leks were the source of all creation in the galaxy. According to their calculations, they had found the Twi'leks at the exact center point of the Katorgis galaxy and were convinced that this was where life in this galaxy must have started. They were convinced that the Twi'leks was the source of all life itself, or the sauce. As there were two helixes, Darius and his brother decided to travel back to Von Divid separately, carrying one each. That way, if anything were to happen to either one of them on that journey back, at least the other would be able to bring a helix home and attempt to split it again, to form a new Twi'lex. Unfortunately, Rince never returned from that voyage. I need to send this coded file over to you for safety in case anything should happen to me. It contains all the information on how to split the helix to make the Twi'lex. Haha, <laughs> it rhymes. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> Shut up! We cannot risk this being used for the wrong thing by anyone. It's too powerful. I cannot encrypt the file containing my work from here, so you need to download it to your main terminal and send it to your personal data clouds from there. Right away, do that now. That way, the root cannot be traced. Y'all be the only other people with access to this. Listen, boys, boys, I need you to do this right now. The Twi'lex I've created looks like it's expanding. If it gets out of hand, I think it's going to continue to grow, eventually knocking star systems out of alignment, black holes, nebulae, oh my god, causing no end of disasters. The bottom line is, we need this thing destroyed. The only way to do this properly is to take it back to the caverns of Rebius Rebius. It's natural habitat. This sounds like a lot of hassle coming our way. He seems very, very busy for someone who's supposed to be on holiday. I can't see you, you know. Your holograms are right there with the palm of my hand, even though you're just mostly hats. It was compulsory for Von Dividian royalty to wear ludicrously oversized hats for a royal address. Oh, I totally forgot that we could take these stupid things off now. Hey, you show some respect for tradition, young man. Listen to me, and listen good. What I have here is a gateway to the source. The source? The very same. I am totally confident that I have now unlocked the very mechanics to creation itself. Chapter 2 Buffy Bars Patch and Stooch froze, took a simultaneous sharp intake of breath <gasps> without even a hint of sarcasm. Even though it sounded like it, they ran towards the computer terminal. That was a showpiece for the center of the illustrious great study of the royal palace. The computer terminal was intricately decorated in tune with the rest of the room, with carved swirls and some beautiful contemporary ceramic tiling around it. It stood in the center of the room like a majestic ancient tree. The computer stood over seven feet tall and had been there for centuries. Let's just say it was due an upgrade. With a tap of the remote switch and his comms watch, Stooch transferred the holographic image of Darius 
to the middle of the central computer terminal. From there, Microderis upgraded to Miniderris. He managed to control the boy's filing system remotely as another holographic screen sprouted to life on the terminal with his command. Computer technology on this planet was second to none. Well, certainly now that Fidel was out of the picture. Too soon? Fondevadian technology gave them the ability to project a hologram of themselves near someone else's terminal and control it from one of their holograph keyboards by voice activation. Clever stuff, huh? Patch and Stooch decided to let their uncle go about his business. Asteris started to wave his holographic hands around their terminal. He breathlessly explained a bit more about his very recent discovery. I've spent a long time trying to split this helix, and now I've done it. Time we formed the Twi'leks. It's time to create natural living energy source from the tiniest nuclei from its epitoscopic atoms that can see it trying to build its own nano-community right now and Not true. The word syllable has three. You guys really don't care much for science, do you? We're not overly keen, no. Okay, right. In terms you'll understand, I think it's slowly starting to create its own planet. If it carries on doing what it's doing, it'll eventually create its own star system, knocking out other star systems around it. What I'm saying is, it will eventually be able to destroy an entire galaxy if we don't contain it. I'll level with you, Uncle Darius. I'm scared. I just get the feeling that you've discovered a little bit more than the humble human being is supposed to know. Well, do assume correctly. I need you to meet me right away. I don't like talking about this kind of thing on a hollow call. For all I know, someone could be listening in. Get this matrix file downloaded onto your system. Upload it to your personal cloud and meet me at the coordinates I'm about to send you. We all need to go to Rebius Rebius together and destroy this Twi'leks. You can destroy it at the root! Oh, do we have to come now? God damn it! Right away! Meet me at the location I've just sent you. No dawdling! Are you playing a game? Define game? Are you even listening to this? Yes, yes, I'm listening. He's discovered the secret of life. He's made a planet that could blow up the galaxy. And now we have to go meet him somewhere to sort it all out. Blah, 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 blah. No, you just made me miss. I could have you arrested for that. How so? You're upsetting royalty. Will you guys please just stop squabbling? I'm trusting you with this. I'll see you soon, yeah? <sighs> On our way, favorite uncle. We'll be there. Hey, I'm your only uncle. Bye. Okay, boot up the file capture thing and I'll beam this over. I can't send this file up to the cloud for encryption from my watch, apparently. Bring the main screen up. We've got to get this file uploaded quickly by the sounds of it and go and meet Uncle Derris. Patch saluted sarcastically and booted up the system. Yet another holographic screen rose up out of the terminal. When the welcome images of many different languages filled the screen in front of them, he expelled some mumbling. Stooch shook his head, perplexed. Hurry up, will you? We need to get this encrypted in case of any hackers. You should be receiving a file now. Why are you just staring at that screen? Patch scratched his chin. I don't think it's downloading. It says... Actually, I don't know what it says. Oh, can we go now, mate? This is boring. The internal language is set to Vidalese. Now, why would it be set to Vidalese? Oh! Oh, that! Oh, yeah. I was going to play a prank on you. 
course you were. I thought it'd be funny when you'd use the mainframe again and you wouldn't be able to log in. But just after I changed the language, I realised that I wouldn't be able to change it back because I don't speak Vietnamese. And it's unlikely we'll find anyone that does now. He shook his head in despair, then swapped an array of vaguely familiar icons in the touchscreen menus. He started to cast navigate the screen language back to basic Von Dividian. After about five minutes of poking and hoping, he somehow succeeded. Right, let's get this file uploaded. Then we can get the for hell out of here. Whoa, no need to swear, mate. Stooch did have somewhat of a potty mouth whenever he was under pressure. They watched the metallic green line on the screen fill up the progress bar. Once the file was uploaded, it would be completely secure and out of anyone's grasp. The green bar slowed down, then stopped in its tracks for a few seconds. A colorful but highly disconcerting spinning wheel appeared just below the bar. Patch and Stooch stared at the screen with tensed stomachs. There was but a millimeter of the loading bar to fill, and it didn't seem to be budging. They both held their breath until the bar hit the top and finally disappeared. Then, and only then, did they exhale. <sighs> finally, I'll delete that old file and the email from Uncle Darius. Patch complied, then made the most important click in their known universe, as far as they knew. As the recipe of creation itself was saved to their heavily encrypted raw data cloud, the file was huge, containing years worth of research. So it was a damn good job they paid for the extra data storage plan. Should we have a quick look? You know, just in case there's something we understand? Yeah, I've always wanted to see what a baby planet looks like. You've always wanted to see what a baby planet looks like? Up until a second ago, I bet you'd never even thought about baby planets. All right, well, up until a second ago, I always wanted to know what the secret sauce in a buffet bar was. But since hearing about baby planets, I'm actually quite curious about them. Ugh, well, you're out of luck. It's password protected. I'll just get on the comms to Uncle Darius. He'll tell us what it is. Patch tried to dial into Darius's comm device, but the call went straight to his answering machine. Hello? Hello? Who is this? No, sorry, I can't hear you. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> we'll leave a message after the beep. Darius was one of the first Von Debedeans to use the Hello, hello, I can't hear you. Who is this? Only joking. I can't get to my comms right now style voicemail message. It's a prank that has somehow found its way to many other galaxies. It's very popular in parts of Quafio, known to some of its inhabitants as the Milky Way. Although it has to be said that it's a whole lot funnier when you use holocall technology. He's probably going through a hyperspace wormhole to the rendezvous. Come on, we better go and meet him. Yeah, okay, let's bounce. By the way, you were right before. It is getting really hot out there. Ridiculously so. Patch peered out of the gigantic study window. Hang on, what is going on with the sky? Black isn't a normal colour, is it? No. In fact, I would go as far to say that that is the complete opposite of normal. A tar-like wave surfed through the sky above them, completely obscuring the path of light from their sun. It spread over them in a matter of seconds, forming a terrifying cloud. The heat outside intensified to an almost unbearable temperature, and a blinding flash of light crept over the sky, looping over with a wave of darkness. Then they heard an orchestra of voices, 
fluttering towards them, emitting sounds of pure panic from the distance as the lag in the sky seemed to collapse over them, splitting into sharp rays that stabbed into the ground. There was a thunderous attack of noise that rose louder and louder until it was almost intolerable to the human ear. Layers of ear-shattering blasts pounded across the horizon. It sounded like somebody was beating a gigantic kettle drum. Every human sense was being tormented and subsequently crushed. The petrified voices of a Von Dividian civilization started disappearing into a void of silence as everything around them seemed to be scooped up into an unavoidable nothingness. The Zhajas were floored and barely had the strength to stare up at the blackness. They were open-mouthed as the world around them was gradually silenced, collapsing in on itself. They grabbed each other's wrists. Brother, what? I didn't give those buffet bars to the Harvest Festival. I ate them. Before Stooch could express his disappointment, there was nothing. Chapter 3. Arrivals. Stooch possessed unwavering confidence that his life on Von Divot had indeed expired. What had just happened wasn't just some inexplicable nightmare. One minute he was harboring the recipe of the secret of creation, the next his entire world seemed to literally collapse on top of his head. His soul had made for a quick exit from his anatomy and undoubtedly returned home. Almost instantaneously, a pleasant flash of warm light had comfortably cocooned and transported him from Von Divot to a place of seemingly unconditional serenity. Stooch gave himself the once-over, as is often the way with people when they reach arrivals. His appearance was exactly the same as his human form back on Von Divot. He would have felt some kind of disappointment, but in this place, there seemed to be no place for negative thoughts or emotions. There seemed to be no such thing as fear, anger, sadness, or any of the other emotions that would usually knock a person out of sorts. He sponged his fingers in and out with all the elegance of an exercising jellyfish, then tried to clench his fist. His fingers slipped through his now ethereal palm, back into their correct position. Although he wasn't a solid mass, he still felt human. He still existed as himself. He was still 100% stooch. Maybe this had been his true form all along. He felt perfect. There wasn't an atom out of place. Not that he seemed to be made up of anything from the physical world in this somewhat gaseous form. There were no odd, intermittent twinges of random pain anymore. No aching limbs or sporadic heart palpitations. Everything about his being was flawless. It appeared that his soul had truly departed from his Von Dividian existence and ended up here, a place that felt like home. But exactly where in the universe was this new causer of his? This was a particularly eye-opening experience for him, because on Von Divot, there were no religions that offered the promise of a comforting or indeed terrifying afterlife. 
people just persevered with their lives and enjoyed them, not feeling the need to question their existence. Folks were too concerned with going about their business to worry about trivial things, such as what might happen after the finish line. Quite a nice way to be, really, if you think about it. Stooch felt like he was somewhere, so he couldn't technically be dead. In fact, now it seemed to him that death may not even be a thing. His human carcass may be an all-you-can-eat buffet for Slitherons back down, or indeed up, on Von Divot, but his soul had clearly arrived here for some kind of fresh start. He was currently gliding above a carriageway of light, formed of twisted rainbow plaits, comprised of billions of colors, many that he had never seen before, including some that would simply be incomprehensible to a puny human brain. No disrespect to anyone reading this that happens to be human, of course. The carriageway transported him to a progressively brighter array of lights up ahead, which he soared towards with all the elegance of a blue magoo bird. He was surrounded by the tranquility of outer space, dotted with magnificently detailed star patterns. He somehow intuitively knew exactly where in the universe these stars were. Therefore, he came to realize exactly where he was. Let me tell you this, it was not a place for organic life as we know it, but it was a place that existed in our known universe. And by known universe, I mean even the bits that the most seasoned of intergalactic travelers probably don't know about. This place wasn't some off-the-grid heavenly joint that you might hear about from a leaflet that drops unsolicited through your front door. Oh no. It was somewhere real. It was, of course, an inner life sector. One of many dotted around the known and unknown universe. Stooch had the feeling that he could go anywhere he wanted. It was as if he now had a map of the entire universe, hardwired into his consciousness. He felt content. In fact, he felt nothing except for joy and happiness all around him. But best of all, he felt free. Pure, uncut freedom. He was free from worry, from any responsibility. There was simply nothing that he had to do. There was nobody to look after. There were no chores to complete. And there was nowhere he had to be. He didn't even need to breathe. He could simply be. If he were back on Von Divot, Stooch would have had concerns that this feeling would eventually become tedious. But, as I mentioned before, negative thoughts were left behind like a pair of muddy boots in a porch. Stooch felt connected to something more enormous than he would ever have been able to understand with his human brain. He felt important, and not in an arrogant way either. He remembered having vague flashes of this utopian feeling at points during his life on Von Divot, but nothing on this level. Even though it appeared that he was alone at this particular moment, he felt far from that. He was the final piece of a jigsaw, slotting comfortably into place among his brothers, manifesting the majesty of a complete picture 
for the first time. A part of what he believed to be the sauce, the ground root of the universe. He took a moment to take it all in. Stooch was an important piece of universal energy connected to a colossal universal mind that was bound to everything. He seemed to be able to tune into anything he wanted to at will. He could probably even see what you were looking at last night on your laptop if he wanted to. And yeah, you should be ashamed of yourself. His intuition seemed to have a newly reinforced strength, and it told him that it was time to move. It was weird floating around in space with the same appearance as when he was a solid mass. His acquired universal knowledge told him that because this was the last form that he took, this is how he would remain, until he manifested some other kind of molecular matter that his soul could reside within. He had chosen this appearance as his last incarnation. Before that, it was anyone's guess what he looked like. Suddenly, he became drawn to something. It was as if he had an inbuilt satnap, creating subconscious signs that pointed him towards the direction of where he needed to be. Heck, he could even choose the voice he wanted for the satnap without the need of a pesky subscription. Stooch didn't feel the need to doubt his intuition as he did back on Von Dibben. He just went with the flow of it until suddenly he was stopped in his tracks by a somewhat clumsier ethereal being that wafted its way in front of him. Brother! Patch? I thought you were the sat-nav. Huh? Nothing, it doesn't matter. Man, I am so glad you're dead. I'm so glad you're dead too. Although, I was kind of expecting you. Me too. And look at this. We're ghosts. We're literally haunting each other. Patch poked an ethereal finger into Stooch's somewhat gaseous belly which created one hell of a satisfying kaleidoscopic sinkhole. Whoa! The path of light ahead seemed to form a cozy and inviting tunnel around them both. Shall we? Patch accepted the invitation as the path morphed into a knot of colors that twisted around, leading them to a thriving bustle of souls, wandering around an immaculately decorated lobby. The place wasn't too aesthetically dissimilar to the exquisite decor of the Royal Von Dividian Palace they'd left less than half an hour ago. Voices echoed harmoniously throughout the Grand Hall. It was full of a diverse collection of creatures, some familiar, some not so. There were even creatures that seemed to be made up from just liquids. During their human lives, Patch and Stooch were seasoned interplanetary travelers, although Stooch was always the designated driver. Patch just couldn't grasp taking control of a vehicle, mainly due to his appalling sense of direction. That and the fact that he was one hell of a lazy ass. Space travel was very much a thing in their particular section of the universe, so they were quite blasé when it came to interacting with alien life. They traveled a great deal in their roles as ambassadors for Von Divot, so had seen a fair bit of their galaxy. Even though that was the case, to Patch and Stooch, this place had its fair share of oddballs. Look at that fella over there. I mean, 
What even is that? That's ridiculous, having an octopax for a face. She seems to speak perfect von Dividian, though. She's got a southern accent as well, just like us. This is bananas. Bananas? Yeah, apparently that's something people from Quaffio say. A spirit I passed on the way to you told me. Thought I'd make use of it. I like it. Do you know what? Something tells me we're all at one now. That's why everyone can understand each other. I don't think that's von Dividian they're speaking. It's this weird universal tongue. But we don't have tongues. We're like gases. I didn't mean... Why do you have to complicate things? I can actually speak without opening my mouth if I want. Look, see? Whoa, that's just weird. Yeah. Please don't do that. Anyway, the bottom line is, I don't even think we're speaking von Dividian anymore. I think you're right. What happens now, then? Do we just chill here forever? I don't want to be that guy, but I've noticed there's a distinct lack of seating. Not to mention beds. Not that I feel the need to sit down for some reason. Hmm. Is there a reception or something? Garçon? Garçon? What's a garçon? Someone like that gets you stuff. That bloke from Coffeeo told me. Nice fella, human. About four fingers on each hand. Whoa. I know, right? Yeah. The last souls looked around to see what everyone else was doing. Nobody seemed to be paying them much attention. Back on Von Divid, they were leaders. But in this place, they were equals among the rest. They took in the scene around them as a huge group of beings seemed to move towards three elegantly decorated portals, made up from an enormous middle portal, with a smaller one either side of it. The portals were all beautifully designed, with constantly swirling chromed arches. They were by no means solid. The two smaller portals had what looked like thick, plush curtains tucked neatly into the sides of them. The curtains seemed to have a weathered feel to them, like those you'd find in an old run-down theater. The middle portal seemed to be locked and had an aura of extreme importance about it. It also had the vibe of a no-go area. Everything else that surrounded the portals seemed to be made up of poetically mathematical patterns. Even the swirling carpet below, which was like the type you'd find in an old watering hole, that was in desperate need of modernization. This place had clearly been in existence for a long time. Some of the lobby creatures seemed to bid each other farewell as they moved in front of each of the smaller portals. Nobody seemed to be heading for the larger one. After a bright and soothing flash, everyone had disappeared, and it was the only two ex-Fondevadians that remained. Right then, a beautiful voice echoed through the grand lobby. The voice sang her first words with a delightfully musical tone. Well, hey there, boys. You've been listening to an exclusive episode of Best in Galaxy for International Podcast Month. An excerpt from our forthcoming novel and audiobook, Sons of the Stars. Available this autumn. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is Morning Dew by Liquid and used under a Creative Commons license. The link is in the show notes. You can support International Podcast Month via Coffee or PayPal and by retweeting, sharing, and talking about the event using the IPM 2019 hashtag. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and information on the event. 
International Podcast Month, celebrating creators, sharing listeners.